Today is Wednesday, May 24th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A professor goes on a completely unhinged rant. Some pro-life students will have the details on that top story and more. On today's podcast, we're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, share it with your friends. Don't keep it to yourself. And you can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. And joining me to get through the news of the cray, as we're doing here each and every weekday morning at 7 a.m., Madison Seals, who you normally hear on Monday's main thing. She's joining us in the absence of Tragons Phillips and Billy Hallowell, who are off gallivanting around at NRB. Madison. How you doing on this Wednesday morning? I'm doing great. Those two are irreplaceable, but I'll do my best to fill in. <laughs> yeah, so, some big shoes to fill, quote unquote. We've got a lot to cover on the podcast today. And as I mentioned at the top, you're going to be talking about this wild video that went down. Yes, uh, basically a full-grown adult, a professor at this university, throwing a full-on tantrum mm. um, in front of these students that are basically just hosting a pro-life table at their university. Nothing wrong with what they're doing, <laughs> totally innocent, and this professor just goes off. Yeah, we got to get into the details because there's more. I, it just speaks to a larger issue that's going on, and so we'll dive into all that on that story, on the focus story. Also on the main thing, a prophetic sign in Israel. CBN's Chris Mitchell has a report on these red heifers. This is stirring a lot of uh, excitement among some uh, over in Israel. So we'll get to all that and more. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. CNN's Christiane Amanpour apologized Monday after she framed a Palestinian terror attack on an Israeli mom and her daughters as a shootout. She said she misspoke, but Amanpour's retraction came after a 10-day campaign led by Honest Reporting. The veteran journalist had originally contrasted the death of a young Palestinian boy with the deaths of Rabbi Lee Leo D's family. And he said a shootout is two sides firing at each other. A mother and her two daughters were shot at close range by Palestinian terrorists. This is a perfect example of terror journalism where you have moral equivalence between the terrorists and the victim. And LGBT backlash. Some southern Target stores were forced to move Pride merchandise away from their front locations after customers complained. Executives apparently concerned they want to avoid having another quote-unquote Bud Light situation. This is coming as uh, June's Pride Month displays are starting to pop up here uh, ahead of Pride Month. And uh, a Target insider told Fox News that after an emergency meeting, the Pride merch would not be front and center on many locations. And this comes on the heels of Target facing backlash over satanic themes featured in some of their LGBT merchandise. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and more over at CBNNews.com. And Madison... This Target story, it's interesting because I've been long wondering when the pendulum will swing back. You know, you have in the last few years, a lot of these sort of far left causes taking center stage in mainstream corporations all over the place and half the country that's kind of just dealing with it. I've always wondered, is the pendulum going to swing back? And maybe Bud Light sort of triggered that because... Now companies are concerned. You wouldn't have seen somebody ahead of Pride Month worried, especially Target, about moving these things back. So it's very interesting to hear reports that they're potentially 
concerned that maybe they're going too far. Right. Yeah. I think Bud Light is an interesting situation because they have a very stereotypical customer base. And that was such a prime example of a company that underestimated their customers and Mm -hmm. thought that they could put one past them and push maybe an ideology that they know is not something that their customers are typically associated with. So I, hopefully other companies learn from that. But I mean, Target's gotten away with doing things for so many years that, like you said, I'm curious how far they can push before they really start to see a dent in their sales. I think they felt it in the past. There's been, you know, lots of people who have kind of pushed back against Target in the past and mm-hmm. boycotted. Personally, I didn't shop at Target for four or five years at a time and saved so much money. <laughs> and then I find myself kind of going back in once in a while. And I think we do that when we we forget about things like this. They make the news. We stop shopping because we're bothered by it. And then we forget and we go back. Yeah. So. And these companies, it seems like it's funny because when I used to work at Fox News and I worked on the Glenn Beck program during the Fox News years and there were all these protesters out, you know, similar to what you see now, the media matters and all these. And they try to run um, these boycotts. And I remember at that time, companies just didn't want to be in the middle of all the bickering like they just wanted to be out of it but but now recently in the last couple of years you've seen companies say no we are going to take a side we are going to champion all of these issues because yay it's popular but it's really not it's really not mm-hmm. and um, they just think it is because of all these activist groups and so look maybe i'm old-fashioned but i pine for the days when you know a company that makes shoes can just sell me a shoe just right. get me i just want to get a shoe i don't need to hear you pander to what you think is a popular cause of the day. I don't I don't need it. I mean, maybe I'm alone on that, but I just want to get my stuff and move on with my day. Right, right. I agree with that. I think there's some industries where there's there's room for you to discuss your politics or maybe to promote something based on your beliefs, but when it comes to things like where you buy your groceries, nobody really cares what your political <laughs> beliefs are, right, what your ideologies right. are. Companies have the right to do whatever they want to as far as speech. As a customer, I'd rather just be not having to deal with it. But we'll see. We'll see if that pendulum swings and and if more people feel that way. And maybe we'll start to see less of the pandering Olympics that we see, uh, especially ahead of June, which we're all bracing for that. Um, it's, it's people tripping all over themselves to pander uh, during LGBTQ month. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, nevertheless, um, uh, with Target... And we'll keep an eye on that over at cbnnews.com and faithwire.com. All right, we're going to head over now to our focus story. And this is the one we mentioned at the top. A professor caught on tape just flying off the handle at some pro-lifers. So the the rant now has nearly a half a million views on Twitter, probably probably a lot more now. How uh, So how did it all go down? Tell me what happened. Yeah, so this happened just a few weeks ago on May 2nd at Hunter College in New York, which I've personally never heard of. But <laughs> a group of pro-life students had an information table set up in a common area with pro-life materials on it. And an adjunct assistant professor from the school named Shalene Rodriguez, I believe is how you say her first name, approached the table and she basically started verbally harassing the students just for being there. Students for Life of America were the ones that caught this video and posted it on Twitter. And the professor appears to be the only one really getting heated. She basically said, 
you're not educating. This is propaganda. What are you going to do next? Anti-trans? This is violent. You're triggering my students. There's a lot of profanities in between those phrases, but you get the picture. She repeatedly interrupts the students as they attempt to talk to her. And she finally tells them to get their expletive pro-life materials out of there before shoving them all off of the table herself and storming off. Mm. What? And it, it's a crazy reaction. I mean, you just like you, you called it, I think, at the top of temper tantrum is essentially what it was. So how, how did this school react to this? Because, I mean, we've seen re- universities react in different ways to this. So what did this one do? Right. And it, it's important to note, I think, that Hunter College is a public school. But this pro-life table, like I said, was in a common area where all sorts of different student groups are free to display materials for their organizations. And just as you'd expect on a college campus, those groups are diverse and represent a whole host of different worldviews. So the school did say that they are taking the altercation seriously, and they've opened an investigation into the professor's actions. It's really unclear what happened before the video started, but judging by the lack of aggression or really any interaction at all on the part of the students, the professor's actions seemed completely unwarranted and inappropriate. So hopefully that's how the college sees it. Yeah. And the professor in question here, the one who's throwing this tantrum, did did she act? Was this just sort of her coming up and, and making a scene or was she with a group or anything like that? Crazy enough, not everyone condemned the professor's aggressive actions, so she may not have been acting with a group, but she was definitely associated with a couple of them. The PSC Graduate Center, which is a labor union chapter representing professors and graduate assistants at the college, said that they stand by her for acting, quote, against right-wing abortion backlash. Mm. There's also been a huge show of support for the professor from... CUNY for abortion rights. CUNY stands for City University of New York. And they posted on Instagram to applaud Rodriguez, the professor, for what they considered courageous actions while threatening the pro-life students. What's crazy about this story and the direction that our society is going in general is not really that the professor screamed at the students that she disagreed with. It's that she and the group that she's associated with didn't even apologize or get reprimanded for her actions. This grown professor literally threw a tantrum and then went on with her day as if she was justified. And that's what these other groups are saying as well. Hmm. Very, very interesting to see how these people respond because we saw, um, um, well, I'll, I'll, I digress on that. But, but what do you think this says, Madison, about the state of universities now when we see these sorts of reactions to conservative views? I think it says a couple things. One, this attack on students is part of a major increase in violence against pro-lifers that's really amped up after Roe v. Wade was overturned last year. This is actually just a less violent example of what's happened to pro-life pregnancy centers across the U.S. We've talked a lot about those on the podcast and I mean, what do we expect from an ideology that defends murdering unborn children? Violence against children of all ages is really par for the course for groups that defend abortion, as sad as it is to say. But it's also a frightening example of what's happening in our schools, because when morality, biology, and freedoms are no longer rooted in truth, there's really no boundaries to hold any of these things accountable So being pro-life or being a Christian is now associated with being hateful, and we're seeing the reaction to that on college campuses especially. 
But what's crazy is that if adults can't be freely introduced to new ideas in college, then really, where is it safe anymore? Yeah, no, 100%. And um, we're seeing, in addition to reactions like this from this professor, which was uh, above the normal by far, but it's not the first time we've seen a protest. You know, she was individual, Mm -hmm. but we've seen, I mean, Riley Gaines got chased out of uh, a speech that she was trying to give. It's very sad to see this regression of universities that used to be a place where you focused on ideas, right? Regardless of what the idea was, it was you could to learn how to um, uh, defend an idea or to uh, research them, to hear them, to argue back and forth, to make um, coherent arguments and points. Now that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems to be more shut up or else. If you don't agree with me, I'm going to throw a temper tantrum and I'm going to shoo all of the things off of your table and then try to get you out of there. So, but I don't know if you saw this clip, Madison, but Bill Maher and Sean Penn were talking on Bill Maher's podcast and he said that universities have been taken over by ideologues and he likened it to Mao's cultural revolution, which I found hilariously ironic because Sean Penn's essentially communist. But nevertheless, I think his point seems accurate. These universities are becoming more demanding of adhere to the ideology or else. Yeah, it's kind of, what's that phrase? It rules for thee and not for me. Not for me, yeah. I mean, (laughs) right. This professor was yelling at these students, calling them violent when they were standing there doing nothing, not even really talking to her. So if their actions are violent, what does that make hers? Right. And the other ironic point that I saw in this was when she says at one point, hey, what's next? Are you going to be anti-trans too? And the same breath says, you're a man, you can't get pregnant. This is the incoherency of the secular left. They can't keep their talking points straight because I thought it was anti-trans to say that men can't get pregnant. And yet she's Mm -hmm. saying it to him, you're going to be anti-trans next. So they they can't even keep the talking points straight at this point. Yeah, good point. I would have loved to hear one of those students (laughs) realize that in the moment and push back a little bit. Bless their hearts. They were just hosting a pro-life table and didn't deserve any of that. No, they didn't. They probably didn't see that coming and were probably more shell-shocked than anything rather than trying to think of points like, what is happening here? So Appreciate you bringing that story, Madison. We're going to head over to the main thing now. And last September, five red heifers arrived in Israel. And this was like a big deal. People were fired up about this because some Jews and others believe that red heifers are a key element uh, that would lead to the building of the third Jewish temple. So they're now in a secure, undisclosed location in Israel. And uh, plans include moving them sometime soon. And CBN's Chris Mitchell discusses this and more on today's Main Thing. The five red heifers are now in a secure, undisclosed location in Israel. Plans include moving them sometime soon to a visitor's center in Shiloh, where the tabernacle of the Lord once stood for nearly 400 years. The Book of Numbers explains that ashes of the red heifer are used to purify priests for their service in the temple. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring you a red heifer without blemish, in which there is no defect and on which a yoke has never come. You shall give it to Eliezer the priest, that he may take it outside the camp, and it shall be slaughtered before him. Its offal shall be burned, for the water of purification it is for purifying from sin. These red heifers are now between one and a half to two years old. 
To replicate the ceremony mentioned in the Bible, they need to be at least three years old, and within that time span, they cannot have a blemish or anything that would disqualify them for the ceremony, even one white or black hair. According to those working on the project, the ceremony of the red heifer needs to be performed on the Mount of Olives and in a place that would have looked directly into where the temple stood. The land I'm standing on, bought 12 years ago, fits both of those standards. It had to be exactly at the front of place that the priest that made this ceremony can see the holy of the holy place. Rabbi Yitzhak Mamo heads Yuvne, so. Jerusalem, dedicated to the goal of rebuilding the third temple. He owns the land here on the Mount of Olives. And we hope that in a year and a half from today, we can make here in this area the ceremony of the red heifer that actually will be the first step to the temple. Mamo says the ceremony needs priests who have not been defiled by touching anything dead. The Temple Institute actually has uh, nine pure priests. They didn't born in hospital, okay, they born at home. Mm -hmm. Because they are priests, so anyway, they don't go to any cemetery and they are pure mm -hmm. and they are waiting. So we have the priest, we have the red heifer, we have the land, and we have everything ready. We just need to wait another one and a half year. Byron Stinson of B'nai Israel, a group dedicated to building up biblical Israel, works with Rabbi Mamo and helped find the red heifers in the U.S. He says these would be the first in 2,000 years, and that the process toward a third Jewish temple began when the Jewish people started their return to the Promised Land from the four corners of the world, culminating with Israel becoming a nation. And then in 1948, in one day, they were reborn as a nation, and nobody said that could happen. And then you move forward, and Israel continues to be this strong nation, and all of these prophecies start fulfilling. There, there's so many now that have been fulfilled. It's just incredible, the evidence of of what God is doing with uh, Jerusalem as the center of that. And the temple is the center of Jerusalem. And so how can it happen and how will it happen? I don't think anyone really knows for sure. Stinson believes the temple is meant to be a house of prayer for all nations. In the Bible, it says when Solomon built the first temple, he said, this is a house of worship for all nations. That's what the temple is. And I think a lot of people think it's just the Jewish temple, but that's not true. It's for all the nations of the earth. Author Joel Rosenberg wrote about the third temple in his novel, The Copper Scroll, and tells CBN News Jews have different views on the subject. Jews are divided, actually, between does the Messiah himself have to come and build the temple, or do you build the temple and the Messiah, Messiah comes? So among those Jews, Israelis, who care, that's actually, they're, they're divided into two different camps. I think most Israelis don't think about it, don't care, and actually would get a little worried of talk of a third temple because we already have enough trouble. Rosenberg also sees various points of view throughout the Christian community those who think about it and those who don't. Most Christians, I think, don't think about the third temple, uh, but those who do uh, believe that it will be built before Jesus returns for the second coming, not necessarily before the rapture, but definitely before the second uh, coming, and, uh, and that the Antichrist will take over that third temple during the tribulation and try to rule the world from there. Could it happen in our lifetime? That, to me, is intriguing. 
I, I think we don't know, uh, but there, but the, but there are some Jews who are really making, as you're as you're reporting on, preparations to get ready for that moment, and that's something to watch closely. Stinson says they plan to invite everyone to the red heifer ceremony that may take place in Passover 2024. Everything is in place now with the red heifers. As long as they stay pure, one of them stays pure, then we have everything in place, including the priests. Mamo says, according to the Jewish sage Maimonides, there were nine red heifers from Moses to the second temple. It's not his way to write, but suddenly he said, the tent will make the Messiah. We know that the Messiah will make the tent. Maybe we have the privilege to be one of these people that uh, helped the Messiah to do it. So we're waiting. Chris Mitchell, CBN News, the Mount of Olives, Jerusalem. All right, Chris, thanks so much for that report there. You can check out the full story over at CBNnews.com. All right, that's going to leave us with time here for one last thing. And we are going to take a look at 1 Timothy 6.12, which says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So just a reminder, you know, you were seeing all these other ideologies pop up and these popular ideas and you know Paul's there telling them to you know stay firm stay stick true to the word um, don't be swayed by all of these other ideologies so a good reminder for us today as well yeah absolutely I think the example with you know the pro-life students facing their professor or even just us as customers facing companies like Target that are pushing their ideologies on us it's just an example of how the world treats those who hold the biblical principles it's not unprecedented, but yeah. it is to be expected. And yeah. the good news is we have a firm foundation to stand on. So Absolutely. we know we're not fighting in vain. Amen. Amen. Good place to leave it here on today's podcast. As always, get yourself on over to CBNnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Lord willing, and that creek don't rise. We shall be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. We will see you then. <laughs>